0: Available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the podcast of champions. back the 30. are down to the 20. All the out on the field. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online.
1: And here he goes, Miles Jack. And I'm Ryan Abraham from
0: USCFootball.com. Liner gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown USC. We are the podcast of champions. Welcome back, everybody, to the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site of the Scout.com network,
1: and I'm Ryan Abraham from USCfootball.com, the USC site on the Scout.com network, and we are the podcast of champions. The 2000 football season, 2015 football season, officially over, but of course,
0: 2000 the, season is also over. Ryan.
1: But the two that's both been, of them are over. <laughs> but recruiting season, Dave, heating up. Three big weekends before signing day, February 3rd, and we wanted to bring in. The foremost expert on the West Coast talking recruiting, Greg Biggins. Follow him on Twitter at Greg Biggins. He's uh, been a great member of the scout.com team. We want to get a lot of insights from him on all 12 Pac 12 teams, where they're ranked and how the recruiting going. Before we jump into that, just want to let you know our contact information. If you want to have a question for, if you have a question for us, recruiting team, otherwise email us, Pac12podcast at gmail.com on the Twitter and the Twitter sphere. You can tweet us at Pac12podcast our website where we put up all the episodes pack12podcast.com and of course we want to hear the voicemails man leave a voicemail for us 641 715 3900 extension 734972 didn't get any voicemails this week Dave. we got to, we need some recruiting voicemails over the next couple of weeks
0: yeah i think i'm going to start threatening people that we're just going to stop this podcast again <laughs> i think that's just going to be the running threat every week that we, we're going to stop the podcast if you don't leave a voicemail.
1: We need recruiting question voicemails. And I, there should be a lot of topics to talk about recruiting wise, because as we said, Greg Biggins joining us. What's up, Greg? How you doing?
2: Dude, I'm doing good, fellas. So Woody, just now, I don't know if you know the name Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, but your, your threat of I'm going to just going to stop the podcast just reminds me so much of Hacksaw <laughs> the back in the day when he would get the phone calls. I'm just going to stop doing this right now. That was a horrible act, uh, horrible impersonation, but yeah, I thought that was saw. great. Little hacksaw <laughs> to you with that comment. I loved it.
1: That's funny. H- hacksaw, man. Is he still <laughs> working fine. anywhere? Does he work anywhere now?
2: I do not know. Yeah. I do not know.
1: That was back in the 690 days when we would get that in LA and, uh, yeah, more. yeah man, that was, that was some funny stuff.
2: See, before, this my, before my time,
0: tough. gentlemen. Yes.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, we're older than, than Dave, than the young pup, uh, Dave
0: Woods. Yeah. Um, we're done with the dead period, which is why we're getting into recruiting now. Otherwise, we would just talk about football all day. Um, Greg, so when you're talking to like coaches and they've put in this extended dead period now, that's like almost a month long. Is this a good thing for them or do they hate it? Like, what's the general consensus on it?
2: Uh, you know, I think they're, they they see the pluses and the minuses. Obviously, I think they would love to have one. Just give them one more week. You know, one either at the end of December or beginning of January. I think they just kind of feel with only having three recruiting weekends, we can trip guys in in January. is a little bit tight, especially when you only, you only get two in December. And if you're a you know a player that's on a CIF championship team or you know countrywide a team that's going deep in the playoffs, you're not going to really get that first weekend of December. So a lot of these elite kids only get maybe two or three trip weekends. So I think the coaches love the fact that they have some time off, that they can kind of be with their families, that they can you know, do the coaches' convention. But I do think they want just one extra weekend to have official visits and have kids coming in on campus and being able to go visit kids as well.
1: I mean, one of the big issues is really the, the playoffs, right? Because now, I mean, it would be a disadvantage for Alabama or Clemson if, if other people are out recruiting and they could not. So you kind of have to wait till after the championship game to, to let everyone recruit to keep it all on an even keel, I guess.
2: Exactly. That that's a huge part of it. So and obviously Alabama, you know, you got you got to feel bad for those guys. They it's really, really <laughs> tough to recruit at Alabama. And it's just it's a, not a level playing field. So you got to make sure that the Ohio States and the Florida States and the, uh, you know, the Bama's it's, it's got to be level for for everybody.
1: Yeah, Alabama <laughs> so, might only get eight, nine, five stars this year. You don't want to you don't want to handcuff them.
2: You you do not want to handcuff those guys. you got to give Nick Saban a fair shot to get his usual (laughs) class of 18 Even though stars don't matter, I keep hearing that on a daily basis, stars do not mean a thing. Somehow, Bama seems to be pretty successful at winning some championships with a a lot of four- and five-star kids. Yeah, I
0: think you'd probably want a team stacked with more four- and five-stars
2: than you would rather have that not. I mean, I think that's probably the way you'd want to go. Well, you know that the walk-on receiver from Clemson it had a couple of touchdowns. Therefore, stars do not matter because <laughs> it's, it's the exception that we should go by not the rule. That's, that's what I'm being told and that's what I agree with. So Clemson walk-on receiver means stars don't matter. Everyone should just have a whole class full of walk-ons and they'll win national titles, baby.
0: Um, do, do people realize when they say that to you or to Brandon or to anybody that they're basically just saying, hey, you're terrible at your job? I don't think they really get that that's what they're trying to say when they say that, that they're actually insulting the work you
2: do. I feel like they do know that by saying stars don't mean a thing. You're kind of saying, Hey, you guys, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. And the baffling thing is yet they'll, they will say, man, but what these college coaches do is that's gospel truth. But yet, <laughs> yet how if this kid was a, was so talented that he's having to walk on it. It's not like he had 50 offers. And decided to walk on somewhere else. So, yeah, maybe we missed on on this kid, and we kind of me and Huff gave you know our boy Chad Simmons some grief because he had him as a two star. But where are all the colleges, you know, that who didn't offer this kid? Obviously, are are their evaluation skills called into question? I don't think so. So it's yeah. what yeah. can you do, Woody? You know what can you do? You just grin and laugh at it, and then you make fun of them on the podcast with you guys.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I kind of feel bad when we're talking about four and five star players, and we're going to transition into. Talking about Pac-12 teams, we decided to go from the bottom to the top and not a whole lot of four and five star players at the bottom of the Pac-12 rankings. But, um, Greg, would you like to go through each and every team in the Pac-12 and talk about their recruiting class?
2: Let's do it. Let's do it. And and let's just, and just to back up on a serious note, because we're obviously, we're all just kind of being facetious and joking around. You know, you can win big with three star players, you know, Four and five stars, those are guys are projecting to, you know, being NFL first round picks and, you know, future Sunday kids. But at the college level, you can give me a a class full of three stars and they may outperform some of these four and even five star guys at the college level. We just feel upside wise, you know, that five star guy, the guy you look at and you say, yes, that's an NFL guy. But college wise, I think you you see it all the time where you can be a great college player and, and may not transition to the NFL, but how many Heisman trophy winners or even you know your, your Scooby Rights of the World who may not be that first second round NFL guy but just great college players so uh i don't mean to pick on those guys that are three stars cuz those guys are going to be very good college players
0: all right so we're going to start we're going to start with i think Colorado so we're going to go through all these start at the bottom work our way up um Colorado's currently ranked i think 72nd and a tie for 72nd in the uh scout team rankings for recruiting. They have 11 commitments, nine three-stars, uh, two two-stars, I believe. Um, w- when you're looking at kind of the strategy for Colorado, and I guess this kind of translates onto the field too, how do you think they should be recruiting? Like what kinds of guys do you think they should be targeting to – Get out of this rut they've been in for now. I mean, going on a decade. I mean, what what's the recruiting strategy when you're at a school that's you know lost as many games as they have over the last few years?
1: Hey, Greg, wait before you yeah. before you say anything, we have to we have a little sound effect for you.
0: Colorado Buffalo. <laughs>
2: that was awesome. <laughs> so. I... I First off, have any of you guys ever been to Colorado before? Ever been to Boulder, Colorado? Yeah. Man, it's awesome. Beautiful. Beautiful. Unreal, right? It's a, probably one of my two or three favorite campuses I've been to. Stanford is up there. And Colorado is just unbelievable. And if you watch the 30 for 30 with Bill McCartney, you saw kind of what he did was, you know, a lot of the California guys, you're going to go to SC and UCLA. That's going to be your first choice. So if you're Colorado, why can't you go and recruit a kid? and beat out a Washington or an Oregon or a Cal or an Arizona. Obviously, Stanford is on a nev- another level too. I'm not going to even include them, but obviously, you know, SC and UCLA, and we'll in Stanford, are always going to have first choice. And right now, Washington's on the upswing. Oregon is an elite program. But if you're Colorado and you can get these kids on campus, there's no reason why you can't compete for those same players that are going to Washington or going to Arizona or ASU your campus is great. You're building up your facilities. You have a pretty good college coaching staff right now. So it just and they're so close. When you watch the games, they're not that far away from winning a couple of these games. So for me, I, I'm going to target maybe not those five star guys that are going to go either to the local school or they're going to go to Notre Dame or Texas or Florida State, but just those really solid college prospects. Again, use the term those solid three star guys. I'm going to try to recruit the heck out of my own state, which is an issue for them. But a lot of times, those those top elite players in state, your Christian McCaffrey's, they all want to go and, and they want to leave home, almost like Hawaii. It's very tough to keep those top in-state guys home. So you need to try to kind of, I hate to use the term build defense, but you want to keep those top guys in state and then recruit nationally. You're able to go into you know uh, surrounding states, Colorado, former Big Twelve school, so they have ties to Texas, they have ties to Oklahoma and Nebraska. They've always recruited California well back in the day when New Heisel was there and obviously Bill McCartney, even Gary Barnett. So there's a lot of places they can go and recruit from. I honestly think they should be doing and can be doing a little bit better. So for me, I loved watching them back in the Darren Hagen, Eric Bieniemy days. I would love to see them kind of rise up and be, you know, a top team in the Pac-12. What's,
1: uh, what's their class looking like right now? Like uh, Dave said, right, uh, tied for – Seventy second, only eleven commits. So I mean, obviously, getting more commits, you kind of move up the rankings a little bit. What's the class looking like right now?
2: Yeah, so let's we'll pick out a couple of guys. I mean, start off with you know we always want to start off with the quarterback. Sam Neuer is a kid who, uh, you know, a good friend of the program, good friend of ours. Taylor Barton in Oregon has worked with this kid for a while, and he really, really raves about him. He thinks he's a legit Pac-12 quarterback. Pretty good sized kid, about 6'3", 200 pounds. I know, uh, I know, Huff likes him a little bit too. So that's a, that's a nice building block. You always want to have your your quarterback. Uh, and, and then a couple of the guys that I've had a chance to see, Akil Jones, Valley Christian, uh, outside linebacker, 6'1, 210 pound, pretty athletic kid. Ronnie Blackman is from Westlake, Georgia, uh, a quarterback, 5'10, uh, about 174. And Blackman's a kid that, again, talked to Chad Simmons about him. He turned down, you know, a few other offers from schools that were pretty credible. This guy can play a little bit. You know, anytime you get a player from Georgia, you know, for me, Georgia's is right up there uh maybe not with Florida, California and Texas, but maybe the number four state as far as producing elite talent. So uh a couple of guys from South Plantation, Florida, Johnny Huntley, Anthony Jill Miss, both those guys, talented. The Jill Miss kid is a guy we saw at one of the opening regionals and uh six feet, hundred and eighty five pounds. I-, I like him a little bit. And then Trey Yadophy is a kid from Northern California, a wide receiver, more of a possession guy. Runs just okay, but about six one and one seventy and, you know, I-, I think he's a guy that can contribute to them too. So some pretty solid players. Obviously, you want to see them round out their class a little bit more. Uh, but so far, uh, of those guys, not, not a, not a bad group right now. Should we, uh, move on to Arizona?
0: Yeah, we should go to Arizona
2: Wildcats.
0: All right. Now we've got some tightly packed Pac 12 schools 48, 47, 46, and 45 are all Pac 12 schools. Arizona comes in at 48th. Uh, 15 commitments um i think we're looking at three four stars 11 three stars um currently ranked 48th of the 15 um with arizona i mean have, have you noticed any kind of I, I don't know was there any disappointment that that pac-12 south championship they got last year hasn't you know kind of given them that boost that maybe they would have expected
2: uh you know honestly when i, when I look at their class i I think it's really, really solid. I'm actually surprised it's this low because I'm looking just going man for man. Every single one of these players in their classes is is a guy that can actually play. So, uh, I think they did get a little bit of a boost. And again, if you're Arizona, kind of like Colorado, you're not going to ever really get, you know, that elite, elite five star kid, unless it's maybe an an in-state homegrown kid. Um, you know, you're going to be competing for mostly for guys that aren't going to choose SC and UCLA and they've done They've done well with that. It's a good staff as far as evaluating talent, and they develop it pretty well, too. So uh I wouldn't say they didn't get much of a benefit. Uh I would maybe like to see them do a little bit more in-state. I feel like Arizona State has maybe had a little more success with the in-state kids, especially this year. Um, But overall, again, man for man, this is a very solid class for Arizona.
1: All right. Uh, any and more then- on Arizona? Do we want to move on to the next Next
2: uh, yeah, I got a couple things right here. So. Let's okay. Let's talk about, let's, yeah, let's talk about a few of the guy. I mean, Khalil Tate is a guy we've all seen a ton, right? I mean, he's a scout 300 kid. You can make an argument that he was the most dynamic football player in California this past year. Guy is a true dual threat quarterback. I, I for me, I think he's a little bit more comfortable. Looks more natural running the football than just being a, a pocket passer. He's got a cannon for an arm. But with Khalil, it's all, you know, it's going to all come down to, you know, how quickly can the guy you know, learn the offense and understand. You know, reading the college defense, going through progressions. Right now, he's more of just a one-read guy. That first read's open; he can hit it to him. If not, he's going to take off and run. And when he takes off and run, he looks like a running back. You know, I mean, he's built like a running back. He runs like a receiver. So uh we have him right as an athlete. I think he's going to be given first chance as a quarterback. And out, out of all the systems that he could fit in, Rich Rodriguez is is the perfect prototype system for him. So if anyone can can make him a college quarterback. It's obviously Rich Rod, but just again, going down their list, Kaihe nevis is a guy who we liked a lot as a quarterback, made it to the Elite 11 semifinals. They took him as a linebacker. He was an early Utah commit, but the kid's 6'4 and 230. And even though he can really spin the football, uh, linebackers where he's going to be coming in and Michael L. Atisa is our number one offensive guard in the whole entire West region. The guy had offers from just about every single school. This guy, he, they did beat out, you know, some of the major schools, UCLA, Washington, a lot of schools in the SEC. Michael LTC might be you know the real headliner of that class London Iacopo another four-star kid I saw him a ton at modern day high school now he's at Long Beach City instincts off the charts extremely tough physical violent football player a guy I thought honestly I think he can play for either LA school neither decided to go on him he's gonna go to Arizona I-, I would be shocked if he's not on the field as early as next year JJ Taylor again he's a he's, he's a perfect example of what i'm talking about earlier when i say stars three-star guys this is a guy who three-star because he's only about five seven uh, on a good day maybe in cleats five seven 160 pounds but he can absolutely go superior quickness uh for as small as he is he runs extremely tough he breaks two or three tackles every time doesn't have the same top end speed as sean mcgrew but has just as, as good not not a better burst than he can more wiggle probably than mcgrew and he He's a great high school football player. I think he's going to be a very good college player. Jacob Colacion, Isaiah Hayes, two more guys that we saw a ton over the summer playing seven on seven. Both these two guys, Colacion is a tough physical linebacker. Isaiah Hayes uh, played for Keyshawn Johnson's Team 19, early Boise State commitment, backed off. He's going to Arizona now. Uh, again, I think both those two guys have the talent and the toughness to play for either L.A. school. So uh, overall, top to bottom, really, really strong class.
1: Yeah, only only fifteen commits right now, so that's probably why they're ranked where they are with a lot of people in front of them with more.
2: Yep. They're probably star, you know, what at the rank if you want to do it by average star per player, it's probably probably I would guess, maybe top five or top six.
0: All right. Then then Oregon State comes in at forty seventh with twenty four commitments. Uh so kind of a stark difference from Arizona, nine more commitments, two of them four stars, twelve of them three stars. The, the interesting part for me here is uh, the Kwani Sataki thing leaving for BYU, and I know he was a big part of their recruiting. How how do you think that affects things for them? Who's going to replace him as kind of their main recruiter with this, especially with this cycle?
1: Well, one second, Greg. Sorry. Yeah,
2: where's, the, where's my D- sound effects? That's a good one. Very. That was outstanding. So go ahead, uh, Greg. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, they have, they have yet to find, they, they need to find a, a someone, you know, Satake was, was outstanding as both a coach and also a recruiter, especially in the Polynesian community, uh, going to BYU. I've already seen a couple of guys that both schools are kind of looking at now are going to swing over to BYU. So, um, you know, really need, need to develop that guy. You know, the receiver coach, Brett Brennan is a tremendous, tremendous coach and recruiter. But he's always been more of a, you know, more of a regional guy and and recruits receivers, but they kind of need to bring in a national type guy who can be that, you know, that closer who they want to put on every top kid and and try to go about it that way. A lot, you know, a lot of schools, they'll, you do it by area. And then you, once you kind of get into who you like, then you have it positional, you know, your receivers will, receiver coach will uh, recruit receivers, O line coach recruits O linemen, et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of schools will also assign at least one coach on staff who's like your really, your top notch salesman to go and kind of just try to sweep the nation. So it'd be good. Uh, you know, look, look, look at the class. Again, I, I see, I see some talent. You know, Isaac Garcia is a kid from Bellevue High School, early USC commit, tight end, defensive end, really good senior tape. We, at one point, we have him as a four star. It dropped him a little bit. I think there are some durability questions. He, he was, you know, kind of hurt a lot the, the past couple of years. But in terms of being a, a football player, I, I do like him a lot. I like his frame. I like his toughness. I think, uh, I think he can definitely help, help a team. Uh, Andres Hughes Murray is one of Huffman's favorite guys this past year in Washington. He's a true inside backer, 6'3", 240. He's that, he's that enforcer, run stuffer, just smack you in the face and beat the crap out of you type of football player. I think that's why Huff liked him so much. But, uh, I, Sherrod Thompson, another guy who originally had offers from both LA schools, Oklahoma. I mean, everybody liked this guy. There's some stuff off the field. I think that kind of hurt his stock a little bit. But, you know, I spent some time with him this a couple of weeks ago at the separate five bowl. I really like the kid. He's a, he's a, I think he's made some, maybe some not great choices, but I do think he's a good kid and I hope it works out for him. But he's a big physical safety. We have him at 6'1", 185. He looks to me closer to 6'2", and 205 pounds. I mean, he's a huge safety, but he actually could run pretty well. Uh, Tyson Penn, hyper athletic kid, Bellevue High School, 6'4, 200 pounds. I think he jumped almost like 40 inches at the, uh, one of the Nike opening regionals. So, uh, again, going down the list, uh, you know, maybe not a, a super sexy list of guys, but they do have some guys that can play.
1: All right, let's move on to.
2: Washington State Cougars. All right, so 46. Yeah, it was a cat that meowing. I was, was more of a cat than a coug.
0: Yeah, <laughs> definitely <a> cat <laughs> meowing. Uh, Washington State coming in at 46, 26 commitments. So they're they've got to be close to done. Uh, 19 three stars, um, and then I'm assuming seven uh, two stars are unranked. Um, are they close to done? Do you know? I mean, at, at 26 commitments,
2: is that close? You would think you would think so, right? They got they got 13 kids coming in this weekend. So uh, obviously, a lot of those guys are, are non non or uh, excuse me already committed, but at, at least at least half of that 13, six seven guys are still on the table. So I don't know how many they can take, but they're they're recruiting like they can take a class of 30. And you have to assume, you know, there's a handful of JUCO kids in there, which means they can probably early enroll, or maybe they've already early enrolled. So those guys will count on last year's total. So they can bring, bring in a pretty big class. So, uh, start off with the quarterback position. Quentin Davis, really interesting kid. He played behind a guy, uh, that Woody knows pretty well. Josh Rosen, he was pretty good at football the last few years. And so <laughs> Quentin, they get a chance to play at all. He played some mop up duty, but he had a huge senior year. And actually, if you, you know, if you're a stat, uh, a stat scout, he actually put up better numbers than Josh did led them all the way to a CF champion, uh, CF championship game where they fell to centennial. Quentin Davis is a, is a pretty interesting kid. 6'1, 205 pounds. He's smart. He's decisive. Uh, I, I think he fits in that Washington state system really, really well. It gets the ball out quickly. And again, you don't need to have, he's got a pretty live arm, but you don't, in that Washington state system, you know, you want a smart kid above all else. He's got to have, uh, a high football IQ, make quick decisions get the ball quickly on time and be accurate with be accurate with it and that's what Quentin Davis can do. Desmond, I like Desmond Patton a lot. He's a big receiver, six, four, 200 pounds. saw him a lot over the summer planes and seven on seven and uh, I think he's a physical talent. Romello Harris, a running back from Tulare Union, probably a top five top six running back out west. I don't know where we actually have him, but I think he's that good. Uh, he's a guy I think can come in and probably see some early time. Marcus Strong, Carter High School, real physical football player, 5'11", 160-pound safety, tough, mean. Uh Mason Vineyard, a big tight end, 6'4", 6'5", 220. Helix High School, played mostly as a big receiver, but he's going to transition to tight end. And again, in that Washington system, it's going to be more of like a, you know, someone we're familiar with, like a Thomas Duarte type, who's not going to really have his hand in the ground blocking too much. Uh, But he's going to be that tight end that I think can get down the field and make some plays. Isaiah Love missed a ton of his senior year. had a, a was in a car accident going to uh, the Nike opening up in uh, up in Northern California. Unfortunately, missed a lot of his senior year. But one of the best true cover corners that I saw over in the summer. Uh, Grant Porter, guy who played for that Ground Zero seven on seven team. Speed. Dad ran track at USC. Grant can absolutely flash. Huge, huge speed. He's a dist- He's a long distance guy. His teammate, Scholar Thomas. Seven-on-seven uh, seven teammate, I should say. Yeah, also a, a ground-zero kid. Uh, another player I like who can play. So, uh, you know, nice, pretty solid class. It's it's big, as we said, numbers-wise. If they can get a couple guys that they're tripping in this weekend, uh Curtis Weaver from St. Anthony's, big-time defensive end. Uh he, He's coming in. Zion Eccles, one of the most explosive running back slash receiver types in California. He's coming in this weekend. That would really be a, a nice capper to their recruiting class.
0: It's, right. it seems like Washington state always recruits California really well. It seems like, you know, year in and year out, like half their class comes from California. W- what do you think the biggest key for them recruiting California so well is?
2: You know, that they, they prioritize it. They have a staff that is very, re- very good relationally. So they have a ton of great contacts in California and, and they've had success in the past with California players, just, you know, getting, getting some of those guys, uh, that honestly neither SC or UCLA wanted. They go there, a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and they have success and that kind of breeds it. So they can go back, you know, to the LA city section and, and they can go recruit those guys that, you know, maybe they felt snubbed and, you know, they're going to give Washington state a look. And I mean, and let's be real. Again, they're not getting guys that are going to turn down SC or UCLA, but again, they're getting guys that could play, you know, probably for just about anybody else outside of maybe an Oregon or a, a Stanford and they're doing pretty well with them. So great relationally and then past success with those, with those guys.
1: All right. Uh let's move on our next team.
2: Utah Utes.
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was a Ute Indian I think firing an arrow. <laughs> Ute Native American. Let's not, let's right. not get yeah. it. It's not get it get twisted, some, guys. Get some mad emails not being politically correct. <laughs> I know. All right. So Utah coming in at 45th with 22 commitments. I think they have one five-star. I'm guessing that's a Juco kid. Um and then 16 three-stars. Uh, coming in at, uh, with 22 commitments. Um, I, I kind of want to just ask about Troy Williams here. Um, cause I was kind of intrigued that he never really panned out at Washington, then went Juco, now he's going to Utah. What's, what's the kind of read on him right now? I mean, where, where is his development? Do you see him kind of making an impact at Utah?
2: I, I sure hope so. Um, I've been a, I've been a fan and obviously, you know, when you've been in this business for as long as I have, you almost kind of stop rooting for teams. You root for the players you rated high so you look good after the fact. <laughs> so Troy was a guy that we really hyped up a lot coming out of high school. He got to Washington, you know, depending on who you talk to. Um, you know, he either just wasn't the leader that they wanted him to be and, and wasn't working as hard, not getting, not picking up the offense. Depend on you or he was never given a a fair shot. You know, the only game he ever started was the game where I think it was like basically he played in a hurricane where it was so windy that you saw a little kids in the stands being flown across to the other stands. It was <laughs> it was that bad. So you know he went to Santa Monica. Um his uh his old high school offensive coordinator was the OC at Santa Monica. I, I talked to him a handful of times. He said Troy is on a different level. He said he is unbelievable. Physically he's always had Everything you want, the arm, the accuracy, uh, he can scan, he can see the field, he can run when he needs to. You know, leadership is always that the one question mark. He had a tendency when I saw him to get down, put his head down, makes a mistake. You know, you, you want to see him pick up his teammates a little bit as a quarterback. He, you know, that guy's got to be your leader. So leadership was the one thing that I think he needed to work on. But in terms of physical talent, he's going to be given every opportunity. He's already enrolled in school to be the guy for Utah next year. And I mean, throwing wise, I mean, he already throws it better than Travis Wilson. It's just, you know, it, does he have the same toughness? Is he the same leader that Travis was? So I really hope so. I, I think he can turn it around, but,
1: uh, Craig, I got like, to see him quite a bit at Narbonne just because, you know, close yeah. to where I was. But I remember as a true freshman, the people were talking about him. And I think Sark was at Washington at the time and I think he was going to offer him. When he was a true, I mean, and he wasn't even starting that. I forget who was starting for Narbonne. Never registered
2: at Narbonne, huh? He's just a true, true freshman. He was yeah.
1: Freshman, right? there was no, I mean, it was the, the hype about him. I, I mean, you want to root for the kid and it's interesting to see that you hope he's got everything together and is able to succeed at Utah. But I just, I just remember watching him for years yeah. and finally get to see him in college will be fun.
2: Yeah. I mean, I talked to Marcus too, as a Sopo, who's, you know, USC now at UCLA when he was the Washington, he was at Washington with, with Troy. And I go, Hey, how's Troy doing? He said, you know what? Physically, he's better than everyone we have here it's just that other stuff and that, that other stuff is is actually the most important stuff, right? I mean we we we've, we've all been doing this long enough. It's great to have that big arm, but to be a successful college NFL quarterback it's that it's those intangibles, it's that toughness, leadership and football IQ and smarts that that counters everything. So, uh Troy's a smart kid. I just want to see, you know, the the leadership and the toughness. So, but uh no, I mean, looking, getting back, you know, I know what he mentioned. They have a five star. They don't just have a five star JUCO. They have the number one JUCO recruit in the nation, Garrett Bowles, offensive tackle. And I was told by a couple of different people that this guy was so talented that he might have gotten drafted this year out of JUCO if he was eligible. He's that good. Wow. Uh, six, six, 305 hundred five pound, a true left tackle. Those guys are always, you know, your, you know, your bread and butter. That's where you want to build your offensive line around is that left tackle. This guy. I mean, again. He could have went to any school he wanted to. Obviously there's some family connection with Utah. So a huge pickup for the Utes. And I, obviously you can pencil him in to be their starting tackle next year. Going down that list again, another guy that kind of jumps out, kind of a funny kid, Devere Hamilton. I don't think anyone probably talks or has more fun on Twitter than, than Devere. And I always joke, and you better be good for as much talking as you do on Twitter. <laughs> He's, you know, two way guy, receiver, outside linebacker. He's going to probably start off. Uh, outside linebacker, but he, he's a big kid, 6'3", 200 pounds, pretty athletic kid. So, uh, Samisi, the walkie, a defensive end, 6'4", 240, USC has offered him. So watch out for that one. I know, you know, he's an LDS kid. So, you know, Utah, there's, uh, it's not BYU, but it still, you know, makes the family feel comfortable, but USC is going to be tough. And, uh, you know, if they can keep him, that'll be big. They always seem to recruit San Clemente High School pretty well. They got a couple of guys. Tucker Scott was an all CIF offensive lineman. He plays tackle, but he'll be a guard at the college level. And also Cole fathering a tight end from San Clemente, 6'4, 215. Really a tough kid. Not not a hyper athletic kid, but a tough kid. And uh again, he just you think of Utah for me, I always think of toughness. And that's what this kid has. He's a he's a tough kid. And uh they have a whole class full of guys, I think, that are just tough. You call them football players, you know, overall, you know, real solid so far.
1: Alright, uh, I guess we should move on, Dave. Yeah, there, absolutely. Little jump. We had a group of four teams ranked all next to each other from 45 to 48. Up at number 37.
0: Washington Huskies. <laughs> <laughs> the dogs coming in at 37 with 13 commitments. So there's still a lot of room to grow in this class. Uh, six four stars, seven three stars, one top 100 guy. Um, how much room is there to grow in this class, Greg? You know off the top of your head how many more yeah, commitments they, they're
2: looking to take? They got some, they got some big, big dogs still on their board. I mean, they're, they're, they're going after some, some, some major guys. David Long is down to Michigan and Washington. He is going to be announcing probably next week. I know he's going on a, on a nice two week trip to Italy. So, uh, right now <laughs> that's a coin toss for me, but David Long, I mean, that's a top 100 kid. Uh, Jonathan Congbo. You got an offer from Bama just last week, but before that offer, and this is another five star, top five Juco player nationally, uh, SCUCLA have both offered him before the, the Bama offer came in. I was here in Washington may ha- actually be his leader. So again, Bama's coming in. Before we talk about Bama. They're pretty good. Um, uh-huh. they're going to be tough to hold off, but Washington is, is trying really, really hard on him. Um, they got to hold on to some guys, you know, Kentral love. You know, he's going to visit UCLA. They got to, you know, really try hard to hold on to him. Uh, but if they can do that again, I'm, I'm looking at their class and you see guys like Luke Wat- Wattenberg, an elite tackle, Brennan Wellington, just a pure football player, Camilo Eifler, really athletic, physical linebacker. I mentioned Kent Love. I love the way that guy plays the most physical corner in all of the West Coast. Isaiah Gilchrist, you know, maybe the top covered corner in the Northwest. It, it's a really, really good class. And I, I think I actually did. Their average star rating per player. And it was like top three or four in the Pac 12. So it's a small cl- shot. I can't forget Sean McGrew. When my all time favorite running back saw him as a sophomore and I thought, Oh, you know, nice little, nice little kid, you know, a little white running back, you know, five, six kid. And then you saw him again. And I'm like, you know, this guy actually is not bad. They watched him again. And you're like, dude, this guy can play by the end of the year on a team <laughs> when he was a sophomore that had four guys, Shea Fields, Damien Mama, Josh Rosen, Jillow, dude that all start. In the Pac 12, Sean McGrew was the best player on that team as a sophomore. In the Centennial game and in the Data Sal game, Sean McGrew was the best player on the field as a sophomore. So this guy is talented. He's smallish, but he can absolutely play. And again, another guy I like and root for. So overall, you know, really, really good looking class.
1: If, if five, six is smallish, what's small?
2: <laughs> I was trying to be nice. Oh, okay. I
1: just wanted to make sure. Uh, yeah, another Bosco kid. So he should be. I'm. I'm I love watching those little scat back kind of guy. Well, he's not. He's not a scat back, but the guy, the little small running backs, when you see him in in uh, in high school and they do crazy things, I always root for him to do well in college. You don't always see it. It doesn't always pan out. But I think McGrew's one of those dudes that can.
2: Yeah, I do too. Again, and Coach Pete's system is is really good for him. You know, he'll get get him in space, and I mean, he's not a you know guy going to get the ball to you know put in the eye formation, give him the ball thirty times a game. He's not that guy. Student body right, left, but. Give him the ball, maybe ten times a game. Spread him out, put him in the slot. He's got great hands at the backfield. Give him a couple of carries. He's going to make one or two dynamic dynamic plays every. I mean, this guy's a legit. He's small, but he's a legit ten five hundred meter guy. So that means on basically in every game, he's going to be one of the two or three fastest players on the field. So you get him in space, he's going to he's going to get to the house tons of times for Washington. I'm excited to see him play too.
1: Do You think like similar to like a Dominic Davis?
2: I think so. I think he's probably more of a natural running back, though. You know, you watch him play, and running back, a lot of it is just feeling instinct. It's not just about being big and fast. And he is so instinctual, balance and vision. I mean, you can literally see he's so patient when he runs. He doesn't just get the ball and go a thousand miles an hour. You know, he's very patient. And then all of a sudden, he'll see a hole, a little crack, and boom, he's gone. And I think it's, I think he actually is a little more physical than Davis, even though he's similar size. I mean, he's running, always falling forward. I think Davis is that guy who can transition to be a more of an every down slot receiver if you wanted to use him that way. Although I like him out of the backfield too. Uh I think Davis may be kind of more of that every down receiver, whereas I think McGrew actually can play running back, put him in the slot as well, but I think he can actually be more of that every down running back. Not a thirty carry a game running back, but uh, you know, a third down back and give him the ball ten times a game.
1: All right. I guess we should move on. Uh Let's do it next uh, we have a little feedback there next next uh, program
0: California Golden Bears <laughs> see just a standard bear roar nothing to be <laughs> nothing to laugh about uh, the 30 golden Bears come in at 33 in the rankings uh, 24 commitments one four star 18 or yeah one four star 18 three stars um, Cal it doesn't seem like they've taken too much of a hit with all the kind of Sonny Dykes rumors that were going around uh, a few weeks ago. Um, they, they've built a pretty good class. I mean, what's your overall assessment of this class right now?
2: Yeah, very solid. Not-
1: we got you, Greg? We might have some microphone issues with Greg.
0: Dave, you're still here. Yeah. I'm still here. I'm, I'm with you.
1: Hey, Greg, I think uh, we got a microphone problem. Hello. I'm
2: still here. I'm still talking.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, there was uh, there was something going on with your microphone, I think.
2: Dang it! I just said some some poetic stuff that I can't ever I'll never be able to repeat again. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it's a it's a solid class. Again, I always say I think it's a solid top 40, top 35 class. It deserves they deserve to be where they're ranked. And uh, you know, again, start off with the quarterback position. Max Gilliam is a guy who had a huge senior year, really big big senior year. Put up the numbers. He's a dual threat kid. And he should be given every chance to actually compete for playing time. Spring and rolly, 6'2, 185 pound kid who's very athletic, uh, improved a ton, made some big strides just in terms of, you know, being a pure pocket passer and being more decisive in his reads and recognition. So I'm anxious to see what he can do. Trevion Beck kind of keep it, keep the Bosco theme going. He was one of the better cover corners. Again, people kind of thought maybe a little undersized, generously, generously listed at 5'10. He's probably closer to 5'9", but man, he is scrappy. Is heck. You know, he will compete. He is a guy that will just gnaw and bite your leg off all day long. I mean, he loves to just to compete, compete, compete. I mean, he loves that challenge of, of people thinking that he can't cover you. Melquis Stovall was an early USC commit, had offers from schools like Notre Dame and Oklahoma. And he took all of his trips. We thought he was going to Utah, but Cal was that last visit. He loved it there. He loved the offense that Coach Dykes is going to run. He wanted to be more of a, a receiver than a running back. And that's why he chose Cal. He felt the offense kind of fit him a little bit better. Uh, say what you want about Utah, but offensively, you know, not the most dynamic place. Uh, Cameron Bynum from Centennial High School, uh, always a great place to get kids. Centennial uh, Bynum was re- re- very, very solid. Him, he played opposite Kentrell Love and uh, had a you know two year starter for uh, a team that won back to back CF championships. Drew Kobayashi was one of the top receivers for Hawaii. Played with uh, at St. Louis High School with Tua Tagovailoa. So Kobayashi, one of the fastest receivers out, out West, a legit four or five guy. So again, I, I like Cal's class. Uh, Francisco Perez can't forget about Paco. He is going to be visiting UCLA this weekend. 6'4", 300 pounder, may have been my favorite guy at the Nike opening at Redondo. Uh, mean kid, nasty, but he plays under control. But, uh, again, I, I like those guys that are, that are college guards that play high school tackle. It's a lot easier to go from outside to in. In the other direction. I think if you're a high school tackle, it shows that you have some balance, some feet, some athleticism, and then you move them inside and you can play guard. Uh, it means you're going to have a guard who's pretty athletic. So I, I like Paco Perez quite a bit.
1: Can we move on, Dave? You got any follow ups?
2: I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Okay.
1: okay. We got the, uh, top 25. Let's move on to
0: Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> All right. The Sun Devils are breaking into the, uh, top 25 here. Um, they're number 24 with 18 commitments, six four stars, 12 three stars. Um, ASU kind of goes, uh, in a lot of ways. I think generally speaking, they go the way of Utah a little bit with how many JC guys they get. But this year, it actually looks like they're going more for high school, at least from what I'm seeing. I mean, what, what's your, what's your general assessment of how ASU recruits and their strategy for, Targeting kind of JC guys.
2: You know, it, this year, it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, it's not a, it's not as heavy of a Juco class, but they still signed six kids that are all already enrolled and all six are in the Juco Scout 100. So it wasn't as big in terms of the numbers, but in terms of just the high impact, I still think it was very, very good. Um, in terms of how they did it, uh, high school wise though, Nikhil Harry, was just about everybody's choice for the top receiver at the UA All-American game practices, which is you know more important than the game itself. The practices are where you kind of really see what you can do. Big 6'3", 210-pound kid, body control, high points the ball, runs better than given credit for. He will play next year, true freshman. Uh, Chase Lucas, his high school teammate, just got bumped back into our Scout 300. Again, everyone said one of the better cover corners all week during the army practices. We had bumped him out of 300. He got hurt during his senior year. So we just didn't see a lot of him. but he's back in there now at 292. Uh, another guy, I think, uh, that can go and play and I be an impact guy down the line. Dylan Sterling Cole. He was an elite 11 quarterback. I saw him all week during the semper five ball practices, and he was the top quarterback that I saw. 6'2", 6'3", 185. He can run, but. I wouldn't call him a dual threat guy cuz I I think he actually is a very good pocket passer. So, a lot of times people, you know, automatically you see a black quarterback and say oh he's a dual threat guy. No. This guy is a pure pocket guy. He can make all the throws. He's a smart kid. Uh to me he fits in their system really 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 well. So, I like him a lot. Uh so I mean top to bottom, you know, really really nice job of filling all their needs. It's very balanced. Byron Murphy is the top guy on their board. He's going to announce next Thursday. I'm hearing ASU is doing pretty well with him right now. He's going to visit USC this weekend. USC is kind of a childhood favorite. Uh, obviously they have a great chance as does Washington. I mentioned earlier, uh, Woody, when he asked about Washington, you know, are they still out there for guys? I mentioned David Long, Congo, Byron Murphy. I, I've actually heard it could come down to a Washington ASU battle. So that, that's right now they're really close with, with both those two guys. So, but. If ASU can pull in Byron Murphy, they'll have landed the top three guys in the city of Arizona for the first time. And I can't remember the last the last time they were able to get the top three guys from in-state. So Byron Murphy is a key target for them, as is Lamar Jackson, who's also, for me, I think USC is always going to be tough to beat for a guy who grew up wanting to go there. USC, I don't know if they're recruiting him as hard as other schools. He recently said that the schools on him the hardest are probably ASU Nebraska. I still feel like USC is USC and it'll be hard to turn down. But if he does not choose USC, I think ASU's got a great chance to land Lamar Jackson as well. So doing well now and they can really finish strong.
0: It seems like ASU, you know, just judging by the last three or four cycles, they recruit the quarterback position really well. I mean, just it seems like consistently every year they get a four star guy. What do you think is the key for them? And just, I mean, for other Pac 12 schools who can't consistently recruit the quarterback position, UCLA. Uh, what say, do you
2: think? Who are you referring to? What any, any <laughs> schools mine that
0: have struggled with that? What do you think the biggest key is for them with being able to pitch these guys who are you know Dylan Sterling Cole's a big time guy. Yeah. Pitch these guys every year on you know you can come in and I don't know get playing time or whatever it is.
2: I mean, Mike, you got to give Mike Norvell all the credit in the world. He one of my favorite, one of my favorite O coordinators, one of my favorite quarterback coaches. I mean, he is legit. I mean, he knows what he's doing. He's a very smart guy. A very good quarterback coach. I think his reputation precedes him. And that ASU offense, you know, you watch it. It's very passer-friendly. Uh It's it's kind of a combination of there's some pro style in there. Uh So the, those kids that kind of think in NFL, you have that element of it. But it's also a lot of shotgun. Um, You know, they throw the ball a lot. It's an open offense. So it's, it's a really good offense. And he's a great quarterback coach. So I think Mike Norvell did a nice job evaluating guys and – the biggest thing, and I think you touched upon it on your board, Woody, was just about how they do a great job of keeping guys warm. You know, getting a guy like Manny Wilkins when the whole country, you know, had Kyle Allen as our number one guy. The second Allen dropped them off their list. They already had Wilkins said, Hey, don't be offended. You're our number two guy. Kyle Allen's number one. But the second that we're out of it, we're offering you and they recruited him like he was a number one guy, even though he wasn't. The second they offered him, he committed a day later. So when it comes to quarterback recruiting, you got to keep guys warm. You can't just assume you're going to get that top guy. Even your top two guy, you always have to keep other guys. And it's hard, right? It's hard to let a guy know that you love him without offering him. And, and you can't offer that guy because what if you do get your first or second guy? So you have to make sure that guy knows, hey, we like you. We like you enough that you know this is our guy. But we're going to move on you and, and we want you to know that, understand that some kids, some guys will get offended and they, they want to be, they don't want to be sloppy seconds for anybody. But, you know, that's what ASU did really well. They, they made these guys feel like, you know what, you're, they made them feel like they were a priority even when they weren't our number one guy.
1: All right.
0: Uh, that's Arizona State. Let's move on. Next up is
2: USC Trojans.
0: All right. USC coming in at number 18, but just 14 commitments. So a lot of room to grow. Uh, three top 100 kids, three five stars, seven four stars, four three stars, shaping up to be a very USC class. Um, Greg, have you noticed any significant changes with this recruiting class or just the guys they're targeting with the, all the staff changes and, you know, all the assistants leaving, all the new assistants, the whole deal?
2: You know, I, I, I really don't know if I have. I, I think, you know, that all the early commitments that they picked up, most of those guys, he was, you know, it didn't matter if Sarkad stayed. He was always going to flip. I mean, we all kind of knew that. I mean, he, even when he he was committed to USC, he had a a date to announce at the army game. And if if you're a committed kid and you just set a commitment date, that kind of tells you you're a little bit soft in that commitment. So most of the other guys though, you know, the, the Michael Pittman's they were able to keep and he just got, what is it? 9, 10 at nine o'clock. So 10 minutes ago, um, Michael Pittman just got his fifth star. So, um, there you go, Ryan. I don't know if you knew about that one, but another right. five-star guy going to USC. Uh, they're able to keep all their early guys, the committed guys, Trayvon Sidney, Tyler Vaughns, Frank Martin. Those guys, you know, weren't going to ever go anywhere else. They grew up wanting to go to USC. And I, I always say it. It is so easy to recruit to USC. The school recruits itself, even if they have a staff of guys that grind, and they always have. That was the amazing thing about Pete Carroll was he not only had, you know, the ability because you're at USC to get whoever they wanted, but they outworked everybody. I've never seen a more tireless recruiter than Pete Carroll. And they recruited, like I always say this, USC under Pete Carroll recruited like they were like a four and and six team. They recruited like they were, you know, Oregon State. That's how hard they went after guys. And then so when Pete left... You know how had Lane and Sark, and they had that same temperament. So uh, it'd be interesting to see. You know, without anyone on staff from the Pete Carroll days now, you know, will they still have that same aggressiveness and and work ethic? I think they will. You know, T. Martin, a great recruiter, and, you know, they're going to bring in guys that, that enjoy it. But, again, Wally Beteku, start off with him, five-star guy, the top defensive end. Maybe not just out west, but maybe in terms of upside, maybe nationally. The guy has... Just a tremendous burst, tremendous toughness. Uh A little bit, you know, the, the, the talk about him maybe playing some outside linebacker, I don't see that at all. If there's one thing he needs to really work on, it's just maybe being a little more fluid in his movement. He's a little bit stiff at times laterally. He doesn't play great in space. So that's why, for me, he's 100% edge pass rusher. He can get up the field. And you don't want really him moving laterally or dropping back and doing doing much of that. So a lot of guys on the board still, obviously, Jack Jones, USC, Texas A&M, UCLA, kind of his final three choices. I think Bama's is another school that he's mentioning, but you know, Long Beach probably. I think we all feel that USC has the you know is the guy, uh, the team that has the best shot with him, and that'd be another five star. So I, I know people are looking at it and saying, you know, this class, not a typical USC class. Look, look where they're rated, but you know, they finish up with Jack Jack and Devin Osiasi, you know, other guys that they're looking at, along with the guys they currently have it's still going to be, you know, a great top 10, top 15 class by the time Sunday day rolls around.
1: Yeah, there was actually a lot of talk on the message boards today, Greg, or people like, because they still, they still have two open positions, uh, you know, assistant coaching positions. They have the number one player in the country, Gary, coming in, you know, defensive lineman, and they don't even have a defensive line coach right now. But it's <laughs> it's one of those things where, it's, you know, they lost six games. You fire the coach, middle of the season. There's still openings on the staff. And, you know, worst case, they're going to have a top 15 class, most likely. And I didn't even realize that the Pittman picked up his fifth star when I pulled up the rankings. When we started the podcast, he only had four stars. And then sometime during the podcast, apparently he picked up the fifth one, but it'll, it'll be good. I mean, they had the number one class last year. It'll still be a really good class, but with all the turmoil and stuff going on, I, I don't think USC fans should kind of go, you know, go crazy that it's not the, not a top five class
2: again this year. I mean, there's not, there's not another school. I, I mean, I don't want to use too much hyperbole, but I don't know if there's another school, maybe in the country, that could literally have gone through what they went through with you know the fire in the coach, and you bringing it, you know, you you, you bringing Helton. He loses the the two games right, right after you know the Stanford and the Wisconsin game. You have a staff of guys leaving, like you mentioned. Uh, they just now hired a DB coach, what two days ago. You don't have a D line coach. They just hired a DC, you know, a few days ago after not. Being sure they just it just it gives the impression of just some uh, again turmoil is too strong of a word but just instability I guess right. Yet you look at their class and look at where they're ranked. I mean any other school probably loses half of their guys when they go through all of this. And, and USC again is still going to be a top ten top fifteen class. And then you have the 2017 class that they're already doing pretty well with even though they lost a couple of guys uh, Stephen Carr Thomas Graham. They're still USC guys. You know what I'm saying? They're, I mean, they, they are what they refer to themselves as. We're still committed, but we just want to go through the process. That means I want to have some fun and take my trips and then go back to USC. That's what that means. In the original <laughs> Greek, you know, that's how you define <laughs> what those guys are doing right now. So again, I'm, I'm still, I'm always amazed at how USC finishes up. And I think this year will probably be no different.
1: All right, let's move on. Top three in the Pac 12 we have.
2: Oregon Ducks.
0: <laughs> uh, Oregon coming in at number 17 with 18 commitments, 8-4 uh, eight stars, 10-3 stars. Uh, the biggest thing for Oregon for me over the last few years is just, well, really kind of the results on the field in terms of quarterback recruiting. Uh just haven't really been able to generate an in-house quarterback <coughs> now for a couple of seasons. They're taking two quarterbacks and then another athlete in Tristan Wallace who can play quarterback. I mean, what, what are you seeing out of these guys? Do you think they've got a new kind of, I, I know they've got Travis Waller and Al Johnson on, you know, in the program, but do you think they have a future starter in this group?
2: You know, of the guys, and I, I got to see Terry Wilson a lot because he was at the separate five Bowl, and I was really impressed. I, I honestly, I had, I had preconceived ideas of him being just strictly, you know, a running court, a running quarterback. And when he got out and tried to throw, Either the guy was going to be throwing a bunch of bounce passes, or selling balls, or just being laid on passes, or just being inaccurate. But he he really surprised me. He was right there with Dylan Sterling Cole all week. I I, I think he does have the potential to be a starter. And, and that you know what you, what you led off with that is an issue with Oregon right now. You have you you have to you have to bring up the, the fact that you know it, it the fact that they've had to bring in a grad transfer two years in a row it's a little bit of a red flag in terms of not being able to develop the high school kids that they've been bringing in. And you could say, Oh, you know, well, you know, they haven't brought in, you know, maybe a guy as good as Marcus Mariota. Well, they obviously identified these guys and felt they were good enough to play for them or else they wouldn't have ever have offered him the first place. I, I still have some hope for Travis Johnson. Um, I know he battled some injuries last year, but I think he does have PAC 12 level talent. Hopefully he can, he can come in and, and uh, maybe compete this year along with the guy they brought in. The name name is escaping me. Um, I think it would J- or I think that UFC yeah, D- fighter D- or something. D- D- Dakota Prukoff, I think. Dakota Prukoff. Yeah. So, but I, I do think Terry Wilson can be a guy though. I think he's got some talent and the rest of the class, you know, they have some athletes and they have a really good lineman coming in. You know, Vi Malapiai is the top running back out of Hawaii. He's a scout 300 guy. He played really well in the army. Uh, Army game and 100 uh, camp more defensive end, 6'4, 6'5, 240 edge pass rusher Dylan Mitchell, you know a kid from Tennessee had national offers from a ton of schools in the South. Brady Breeze, I mean this kid is what you would call a football player and best high school player I ever saw. Not not the best college prospect, but the best high school player I've ever seen was probably Matt Grudegood. This guy ha- has a lot of those same qualities in just terms of his toughness, his instinct. His feel for the game. He always seems to be two or three steps ahead of everybody else. Uh, you know, I think he's a, he's a pretty good athlete. He can c- come back and he does some things in coverage, but just in terms of just his run support and his ability to come and just knock you out. Brady Breeze is a guy who I think you should really watch for. Uh, Troy Dye, another guy with national offers. He's a big, big safety, 6'3", 215, but he's going to probably play like an outside linebacker, like a rover spot that they have at Oregon, which is kind of like a cross between a safety and a linebacker. Bryson Young. You know, he turned down, you know, UCLA uh to go to Oregon. One of the most athletic pass rushers that you're gonna see. So again, you know, top to bottom. Uh really, really good class. athletic and like I said, quality lineman on both sides of the ball. All
1: right. Cool. Let's uh let's move on. Number two,
0: UCLA Bruins. All right. UCLA comes in at 16 with 19 commitments, eight four stars, 10 three stars, two top 100 guys. Um, there's a recruiting week. Like, I don't even know what to ask because, you know, it's the school I cover. Um, <laughs> defensive, defensive tackle recruiting, I think is probably one of the more interesting ones going forward with Boss Tagaloa, you know, kicking the tires on Garrett Rand, who's committed to Wisconsin. How do you see that one shaking out at this point, just given what you know?
2: Yeah, I think they still look good for Boss. I know he's got three trips coming up. Washington and then Michigan and then USC on, on that last weekend. But, uh, no, and Boss's, Boss is very solid. I, I think a pretty solid lane with UCLA. That'll be one of the bigger surprises for me if, if he goes anywhere else. And I mean, he's, they, they need him. You know, they have a huge dearth of, of size up front. And so, you know, although I don't think, um, you know, Boss can maybe come in and have that same impact Kenny Clark as, a, as a true freshman. Saying that, uh, anyone who watched Kenny Clark as a senior wouldn't have thought Kenny Clark would be what You're Kenny right. Clark was. I just said Kenny Clark like three times in one sentence, but the point You being, said it again. I just said it again. The point being, I, I think if you would, were to watch Clark's senior film with Boss Tagaloa's senior film, it's very similar. I think, you know, Clark probably has a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a taller, bigger body, but Boss is good. You know, he can play. So, um, and then another, he needs to put on some weight, but Osa Odigizua, was one of the guys who the D-line coach during the five bowl practices loved. And I had a chance to talk to him a lot. Really, really good dude. He coaches at Hamilton High School in Arizona. He's been there for 17 years, and he's a former wrestling coach. So the way he teaches football, or the way he teaches D-alignment, I it's all about wrestling moves. And just the way it translates so well to your feet, to your violent hands, to getting off blocks using different types of wrestling moves. And he absolutely fell in love with Osa first day. He said the guy was overwhelmed, just had no idea really what, to, what to do. The level of competition was just kind of overwhelming to him. And he's used to being able to just bull rush, you know, these little 200 pound guys he saw in Oregon by day two, three and four. It was a different story. You know, he looked like a different football player and he, I mean, his get off was so much quicker because he wasn't having to think so much, uh, you know, and that's, you know, when you're playing D line. You don't want to be thinking. You want to just be reacting. So Oaks is a guy who's got long old arms. I think he's going to be able to carry 285 pounds, six, three frame. He's tough. I think he could, I think he's kind of a sleeper for UCLA right now. I think he can really develop and Garrett Rand. Um, you know, ironically I mentioned Hamilton. That's where Rand plays. I asked about Rand specifically. I, I asked, you know, how solid is he with Wisconsin? And he said, um, that he was very solid. He didn't think that he would, uh, flip to anyone. Now, that was before Dave Aranda left. So maybe it's a different story now. But at that time, he the coach told me he felt that ran was was pretty locked in. So D-line, they need to probably get some more bodies, right? They need to kind of get bigger. up Yeah,
0: yeah definitely. And then um I guess this is a good one for you. With all the kind of more stuff, basically every off season with some kind of NFL buzz or whatever, have you uh, what has been the effect? I'm sure there's some sort of effect, but what has been the effect when you talk to kids or you talk to people around these kids? I mean, how, how much of it is something that UCLA has to kind of repair bridges when, when that sort of thing gets, gets out there in the news?
2: You know, the only guy that I could say it directly impacted was, was Brandon Burton. I mean, he was said to commit at the UA All American game when the, kind of the rumors started flowing out there and then he decided to hold off on making his announcement. So that was the only one I could say a hundred percent. There was, um you know, there was an issue right there. So, but I, I think what you're seeing is not so much kids being, you know, having being curious about it, but they're just being negative recruited like crazy by everybody, right? And, and not just college coaches, but you know, just your your typical high school coach who just has concerns, not a negative recruiter, just saying, hey, you know, is Jim gonna be there? Like I've talked to coaches who will ask me, hey, how long do you think Mara's gonna stay? So I mean, the the question is out there, and it's not even about. You know, a fellow Pac-12 school saying, don't go to UCLA. Their coach is going to be leave next year. It's, it's high school coaches. It's seven on seven coaches. It's just trainers. It's everybody just wonders and keeps thinking eventually one of these rumors of, of Mora leaving is going to be true and he's going to take, take, he's going to take a job somewhere else. So, you know, if, if you're UCLA, it, it is something that, uh, you're having to fight. It's a, you know, it's, it's a constant, it's a constant murmuring that's out there.
0: Great.
1: All right. Go to our number one team in the Pac-12. Well, you
2: talk about Theo Howard, Woody. You don't want to talk about anything. Oh. You just want to talk about D-Tackle and Mora. You're going to have some upset UCLA fans right now wanting, Hey, we don't get, we didn't get enough attention as, as Colorado did.
0: All right. Thro- throw, me, throw me some names that you like in
2: UCLA's class. <laughs> my, my voice is gone. This has been the longest podcast I think I've ever been on. <laughs> that and
1: you're the one that wanted to extend it. We're trying to I, move I'm on.
2: Saying, you're going to get some unhappy emails from, you're going to have some people. You no, know, um, no you gotta talk about theo howard i mean let's just let's just talk about him i I think he's a special talent, very very close to getting a, a fifth star as well. The one thing I want to see him do is just be a little bit more consistent pass catcher uh you know he can run he can run routes he's got top end speed he can run after the catch i mean he is an athlete, and if he could just become a little more consistent, i mean the guy has all american potential he can be as good as anyone UCLA has had in, in a while. So I, I think he has that kind of upside. I'm, I like our linebackers also. I'm curious between, you know, Chris Barnes and Lokini to a low, I, I, think at least one of those guys, if not two of those guys will see the field. And if you're talking about linebackers, you have to mention Mike Warrens, who, you know, will be a signing day decision. He was going to announce for, uh, for UCLA at the Army Bowl originally decided to hold off. He's going to trip to Bama now, uh, next week. UCLA will get that last visit on the 30th, and I do think UCLA is doing pretty well with him. That's a five-star guy that uh, UCLA needs to get, and I do think that as of right now, they, they lead pretty solidly for him. All right. Now let's now talk, Stan. now talk,
1: Stanford. Now we're going to talk Stanford
0: Cardinal. That's a tree falling down, Greg. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Stanford, obviously that recruiting powerhouse, uh, coming in at number 14 with 19 commitments, uh, 10 four stars, eight three stars, three top 100 guys. Um, they're obviously seeing some success from the sustained, you know, last five years of pretty much awesome football. Um, how have they, I mean, Stanford, the limitation is always academics. How have they been able to kind of recruit at this high of a level? Is it just identifying all the right kids and all of them want to come or have they loosened? maybe some of their requirements academic-wise.
2: You know, that's always the knock that Stanford gets, and it's not justified. And I, don't, I don't want to name names to embarrass people. I can tell you guys off camera, or this isn't on camera, but whatever. But every year, there are some significant names that they have to turn down. And if you ever hear about players decommitting from Stanford, I'm doing air quotes right now that you can't see. It's not that they decommitted from Stanford, because no one decommits from Stanford. What happens is this is around the time of the year where you start to see players that are denied admissions. And there are key guys this year and last year, a couple of big names that you would be shocked by who Stanford had to say no to. So I don't buy the whole, oh, they're winning now because they've loosened up the admissions. What they're doing is they are doing a tremendous job of identifying key guys early. And when these guys are just freshmen and sophomores, they're letting them know, okay, so if you want to get into Stanford, Here's the plan. Here's what you need to start taking. And they're getting these guys on track to qualify for, qualify for Stanford as sophomores and juniors. So by the time they're seniors, they're already ready to go. Um, now on top of that, uh, they're winning games big time, right? They're finished number three in the country and they've always been mom and dad's first choice. They've always had that advantage, even when they had stinking. Walt Harris and Buddy Teevans coaching them, they still got guys. They still got guys because mom and dad wants their kid to go to Stanford. I mean, I want my kids to go to Stanford. But now that yeah. you're a perennial top 10 team, I mean, they've had how many top 10 finishes? They've won the Pac-12, what, four of the last five years or three of the last four, some crazy stat. I mean, they are the premier team out West. And you combine that with the fact that you're getting a Stanford education, anybody who can get into Stanford – uh, the kind of saying is if you're smart enough to go to Stanford, you, sh- you should be smart enough to choose to go to Stanford. And they're getting guys away in the south, away from Alabama and LSU. They're getting guys away from SC and UCLA out west. They're getting guys away from Texas in the southwest. They're going all over the country, and they're picking and choosing, and it's it's pretty cool. I, I actually absolutely love it. I, I love seeing them do so well. And, uh, you know, Simi Fihoko, Um start with him because I love the Polynesian players. Uh, but he blew everybody away during the Army All-American game. He was, you know, maybe one of the top two or three guys there. He got a nice rankings buff. He's up to 124, but, you know, big, fast. He broke state records for, uh, career yards and touchdowns this past year. Um, you got Clark Yarbrough. They always recruit offensive linemen really, really well, but Yarbrough, Henry Hattis, a couple of top, uh, top 300, uh, O tackles that can play guard or even tackle. Um, Curtis Robinson is a guy who turned down both LA schools to go to Stanford. Love him as a linebacker, super athletic, super smart. Caden Smith, maybe the number two, number three tight end in the country. Nobody uses the tight end better than Stanford does. Maybe them and Notre Dame, but Stanford every year they're getting guys into the NFL at tight end. Caden Smith is a guy who just looks like an NFL guy. Mike Williams, big time D tackle out of Texas, ranked in the top 300, had all the offers from all the Texas schools. He's going to Stanford. So, I mean, they're, they're getting guys that are legit and, uh, you know, they're getting them from all over. So I love what Stanford's doing.
1: Um, overall, Greg, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if we need, if you want to talk any more about Stanford, but I just wanted to, as far <laughs> as the conference goes, the SEC is ranked number one as far as, uh, uh, rankings, uh, recruiting rankings, Big Ten, two. And Pac-12-3. Do you kind of see that the way it's going to end up for the Pac-12, the, the third best conference as far as recruiting goes?
2: Yeah, I think so. Cause I mean, you expect USC and UCLA to make a nice bump and, you know, guys like Jack Jones and Nikki Juarez and Asiasi and Tagaloa, all those guys are going to commit to, I think, Pac-12 schools. I think, I think you're going to see Michigan, Ohio State also finish up pretty well too. So it's going to bounce out. And, uh, you know, you have, you know, schools at the bottom of the, bottom of the list. You know, your Colorados and your Oregon States are kind of kind of bring the overall ranking down a little bit. So I think Pac-12 is very, very good. I mean, shoot, nothing wrong with being top three, but I don't think they're going to be able to catch the SEC for sure. And probably not the Big Ten either.
0: All right. Well, I'm uh I'm tapped out. This is the wrong. Yeah. You talked a lot, man. I'm
1: uh, sorry. Yeah. I I had to. Good stuff, though, yeah. Greg. We really appreciate Thank you so coming on our our little then. podcast of champions yeah. show. You know, I mean, you know, being a West Coast recruiting expert, we thought you were the obvious choice to come on and talk about all the Pac-12 teams.
2: I appreciate it, fellas. Anytime. Anything for you guys.
1: All right. Well, that's Greg Biggins. Follow him on Twitter, at Greg Biggins. does a great job covering uh, the West Coast and the nation. is for Scout.com. And for David Woods, this is Ryan Abraham. Thanks for tuning in to the Podcast of Champions.